Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. You are here. You are holy. And we are standing in your glory. Father, that is our cry to you today, that you be here with us, that you will reveal yourself to us today through the singing of your songs, through the preaching of your word. Father, be here. We want to experience your presence. We desire to experience your hands at work in our lives. We long to see you change Eau Claire. We long to see you change Columbia. We long to see your new kingdom, your new kingdom on earth, all things made new. As the saints have cried all throughout history, Maranatha, come now, Jesus, please come now. You are here and you say you are close to us. Even in the midst of when we don't see you and we don't know where you are. Father, I pray today that as we dive into your word, you show us how close you are. You show us how you have brought us together to worship you and also to show off a glimpse of you and all that we do. Father, if I stand up here and declare your word and you are not the one speaking, it falls dead on the ground, but Father, we pray that you would speak from your throne today, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive, and a life that is transformed by your truth. Illuminate your word today, Lord, as we turn our attentions to your throne. Say, speak to us now. Trust that you will be with us. Lift all these things up to you. See your son Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seats. You may have your seats. But family, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Pastor Jerrion Wilson. Everybody here calls me Jay Will. Uh, it's such an honor to have you with us today at this young church plant. Um, we're a simple church that's looking to call all to Jesus, connect them to a greater family, and live commissioned as his ambassadors to the ends of the earth. And you come in at a, a very interesting time in our text. We are going through the book of Acts. The way we go through the book is uh, uh, through a whole book of the Bible as we slowly, methodically go chapter upon chapter, line upon line. And we are in the 18th chapter of Acts as we look to what does it look like for the mission, the kingdom of God to go to the ends of the earth. And our sermon today is called Together on Mission. Together on Mission. In 2004, punk rock band Green Day dropped its hit album, American Idiot, with its very first smash single, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. You might remember it if you know the song. It's a, I walk this lonely road, only one I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's home to me and I walk alone. 
If you don't remember that, maybe you remember this. My shadow's only one that walks beside me. My heart is my shallow heart's the only thing that's beating. Sometimes I wish someone out there will find me. Till then, I walk alone. This song is a part of the album American Idiot, which follows the story of Johnny, who is known as Jesus of Suburbia, an adolescent who runs away from home and is now on the streets. And the song is telling the story of what happens after the song Holiday, in which Johnny is ranting about American politics and wars, and the car comes to a screeching halt, and it seems to be in a deserted place. After Johnny has ran away from everyone, abandoned his family, abandoned relationships because he felt nobody listened to him, now he finds himself alone. And his life has come to what seems like a dead end. Initially, he was having a fun time, uh, the best time of his life on the streets and acting like a rebel, but things change and now all of a sudden, loneliness is caught up to him. Showing in his angst to be successful, he still found himself at the end of the day alone. Honestly, I believe that this song was such a hit when it was re released and still a resounding hit today is because it reveals something we can all relate to no matter how far we've gone, how long we lived, we all end up feeling alone sometimes. We might acquire all the success we can require. We become as successful as we want to be. We have, our name is great in esteem, but without close friends, it all feels empty. This is sadly the day of, the, the day and age that we now live in. We are in the most connected, technologically advanced society, yet loneliness prevails all through our generation. And this was before COVID. COVID, when we were in isolation from everyone, counseling skyrocketed, loneliness skyrocketed, suicide skyrocketed because people just felt alone. This is the culture we live in. This is the culture we have adopted. Matter of fact, the authors of Habits of the Heart, Individualism and a Commitment in America wrote, this, wrote these quotes from their book, Habits of the Heart. American cultural traditions define personality, achievement, and the purpose of human life in ways that leave the individual suspended in glorious but terrifying isolation. The clear, this clear-sighted vision of each individual's ultimate self-reliance turns out to leave very little place for interdependency and corresponds to a fairly grim view of the individual's place in the social world. Self-reliance is a virtue that implies doing it alone and being alone. But the authors of this book we're getting at is we live in a culture where being alone is your, uh, you, the way we esteem how you successful you've become. You know, it's lonely on the top, they say. Uh, Drake even said it. Now I'm all alone. I, 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 I've got all these awards and yet I'm lonely on top. It is a lonely world we lived in. This is the culture we live in. But is this how the culture of the church is supposed to be? 
Is this how those who believe in Christ is supposed to be? It's kind of interesting that the very first thing that God said was not good in Genesis chapter 2 is not good for man to be alone. And I will make a helper for him. This passage, rightfully so, is often used to talk about singleness and how we should strive for marriage. Let me say this. I, I, I felt this while I was getting, um, coming in today. Uh, this passage should not say that single people are second-class citizens. But this passage is saying that even in your singleness, whether that's God-ordained singleness or, self, or your self-choice singleness, even in that, you are still meant for community. We are all meant to be together growing together, learning together, walking together, living our lives together. We are not meant to be in isolation. This is what makes the church so different than what the world offers. Because the world says, get yours. But God says, no, go together to our kingdom. Grow together for our kingdom and look together to my glory. Today in our text, this is exactly what we're about to see. Paul, even as he is preaching the gospel, going from city to city, place to place, you will notice this one thing. Names keep popping up, which means Paul was never alone. He was always on mission with someone else, with others around him. In church, we are always supposed to be on mission together also. As the old African proverbs say, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Starting in verses uh, 1 through 5a, the first half of 5a, we see how we must go together. Look at what happened when Paul got to Corinth. He just left Athens. We know last week that he was in a, a city full of idols and his heart was broken for the city and he preached the gospel. But now he has left that city and he shows up in Corinth. This is the place where he will literally spend the second most time in the New Testament. The only other place that he spends more time is Ephesus in chapter 19, which we'll get to in the next two weeks. But it says when he was there, he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Now, there's no clear indication whether these two were already believers um, I believe we can infer because of history, because in 49 AD, according to historian uh, Sestonius, messed up that name, uh, Rome historian Sestonius, uh, the Jews were kicked out of Rome because a, a disturbance had been caused at the institution of Christus, which they feel like is a bad, uh, a bad. Uh, uh, interpretation of Christian belief. So the Jews had this big uprising because Jesus was being preached and the synagogue had a, a uprising. So Claudius said, I don't need these issues in my city and kicked every Jew out of Rome. And they have found themselves in Corinth. And Paul, his first reaction when he met these people is he came to them and they became friends. They had a lot in common. They had the same occupation, tip makers by trade. And he stayed with them and worked with them. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. And he tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. And then he also waited for, Titus, uh, for um, Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. 
So we see right here that Paul, as soon as he found other believers, he linked arms and he said, let's go and do this together. We must go on mission together. Family, we are always to be a people finding like-minded Christians who are following Christ together so we can continue to encourage each other, challenge each other, and be with each other when we get weak. We actually saw it yesterday when we went prayer walking. The reason we went out in groups is because it is foolish for us to go out by ourselves. But when we go together, you start to see other strengths show up. You start to see others encourage each other. You start to see God's people working together for his glory. This is why we go together. This is actually the exact same thing that Jesus himself modeled in the, in the book of Luke. When he sent out the 72, when he looked and saw the great harvest in Luke chapter 10, he said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them ahead of them in pairs to every town and places where he himself was about to go. He told them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. He's saying, I am sending you out. And even though it looks like you're defenseless, when you're together, you're stronger. You can do more together. Paul was doing the exact same thing that Jesus modeled for, for all of his disciples in the Gospel of Luke. Church, we should be leery when we find Christians who say they don't need community. They don't need to be together with others. Me and Jesus, good. I always you look at the illustration, the parable of Jesus leaving the 99 to go find that one. But Jesus didn't leave the 99 to go to find that one and they stay out there together. No, he brings them back into the flock so that they can grow together. They can multiply together. They can be together. Why? Because they are healthier together. Paul right here is showing us that we are healthy together and we can reason together with his word and we grow together. That actually leads us to our next point. We are doing this so we will grow together. Look what Paul did after Silas and Timothy showed up from Macedonia. Paul devoted himself to the preaching of the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. Now that he had some backup, he felt encouraged to work this thing out, to do the work with them so that they can grow together. And even when they were resisted at the synagogue, he says, Verse 6, when they resisted and blessed me, he shook off his clothes and told them, your blood is on your own hand. I am innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. But look what he did. He didn't say, I'm done. I'm never doing this work again. He literally went next door. He went to Tidius Justice, a worship of God's house, right next door to the synagogue. And you see the church plant of Corinth right here next to there right next door to the synagogue. So they fellowship together. They grew together. They continue to motivate each other together through the word. And they are living out exactly what was modeled in Acts chapter 2. When the church first was established. When the church first started growing together and meeting together. In Acts chapter 2 verse 44 through 47. 
It says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day, what did they do? They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. And what was the outflowing of that? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And through that, every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. This is why we come together. This is why I'm up here sweating right now while it's hot on the stage. This is why we do this, because we come here so we can grow together. Hear the word together and to encourage each other. Keep going, keep growing, keep looking to his word. And what can I pray for you with? Not only do the, this is why we do uh, Sunday evenings, this is why we do Wednesday night Bible study. This is why we have our men's group on Saturday. This is why we have our women's group. This is why we go, to mission, go on mission together through our prayer walks. We want to be together because we want to encourage each other. We must grow together to be a healthy church. The only way we can really grow in health is together. Not by ourselves. Now, yes, you should have your own individual prayer life, praise God, but you also should have some praying for you. Yes, you should have your own individual study God, study life, praise God, but you should also be studying the word with each other. Why? It's because they will see things in the scriptures you didn't see. And vice versa, you will see things in the scriptures that they don't see. And together you are growing and building each other, encouraging and admonishing each other through the preaching and teaching of the word and the, and, and the, and the testimonies of the saints. God created us to be together. He created us to continue to bind together. This is why after over 2,000 years, the church still exists because there was always a remnant of people who were left together to grow together, to know each other more deeply. But here's the thing. We aren't able to grow together, go together and grow together unless we first know together and be known by each other. First, what must we know? Let's look at verses 9 and 11. 9 through 11. It says, The Lord said to Paul in the night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking, and don't be silent. Why? For I am with you. What's the first thing we must know? God is the one who's with us. He is the one who has set us on this mission. He was the one who gave the great commission from the very beginning. What, was, what did he say on the mountain? Go, what did he say at the, before, his, uh, before his ascension? He said, Go, therefore, preaching the word to all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that you have seen of me, observe from me, and I will be with you to the end of the age. We must first know that this is not just an effort of man's hands, but this is God saying, I'm going with my people. And I am the one that will harvest. And I am the one who will build up my kingdom, not because of what you do, but because of who I am. I am with you. We must know this together. We must encourage each other of this and, and push each other on through this. And not just know that he is with us, but then he goes on and says, no one will lay a hand on you and hurt you because I have many people in this city. 
What do you mean by you have many people in the city? I mean, I'm with you, and the way I can prove that I'm with you is by showing you my people with you. Y'all walking together. And this is how we don't have fear. This is actually in complete contrast of another time when God had to encourage one of his people that he's with them and that he has others who are with him also. In the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14 through 18, Elijah was afraid because the prophets of Baal and, and Jezebel said they were going to kill him. And he went and he hid. But then God spoke to Elijah. He says, uh, 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 Elijah spoke to him and said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies. He replies, speaking in fear. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And listen when he says, I am alone. Alone I am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. When we feel like God isn't present and we aren't around community, when we aren't on mission together, we can easily fall into despair and believe that God is not truly with us. But this is what the Lord said to Elijah. Verse 15, he says, Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazel, uh, uh, Hazel as king over Aram. You are to anoint Juhu, son of Nishma, uh, Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elijah, son of Shabbat, from, uh, from Abel Mahala, as prophet in your place. Then Juhu would die, be put to death, whoever escapes the sword of Jezel, and Elijah will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jew. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, meaning I will live a, leave a remnant, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What he's saying is, I want you to go, and I still have a promise that I have people here. Doesn't that sound like the same promise that Jesus is telling Paul? I have people here. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to do what Elijah did, who was afraid for his life, but you should trust me, know that I am with you, and this is my sign that I'm with you, how I will raise up more people. This is why we come together. Because it's easy for us in our isolation. It is easy for us when we are not in community to run and fall into despair and actually commit the same heinous failure that Elijah had committed. We must know that he is with us, and we must know the sign that him being with us is those around us. But the thing about it is those around us, we must know them also. That's why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. Some translations say, know those who labor among you. Know those who is around you. You should be the first ones to say, oh yeah, I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. Let me encourage you, if you don't know any if people in this room, if you look around and you see somebody you don't know, get to know each other. Because you want to know those who labor amongst you. You want to know those who are on mission with you. You want to know those who call out God as their people. Because you want to be able to encourage them. And you want them to be able to encourage you. But also, 
if they aren't his. You want to know who's not his so you can evangelize them and go and share the gospel with them. So we must go together, grow together, know and be known. But lastly, we must bear witness to each other. We must be willing to bear witness to each other. This is why we're together, so we can bear witness to each other when things happen in our lives. Look what happened when Paul was brought before Galileo in verses 12 through 17. Galileo was a proconsul of Achaia. The Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. And as Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or a serious crime, it would be, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of such things. So he drove them out. Now, this verse always caught me. This verse was catching me off guard. When they drove him out, they didn't go and beat Paul. They grabbed this brother named Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Galileo. Now, God told Paul that no one will lay hands on you. I have a promise that I have put people around you, and I am with you. But here we have a brother named Sothenes who was beaten because of his belief, because he, would, he was not willing to deny the name of Christ. Now, we don't know much about him, but it's interesting, he only shows up one other place in the whole Bible, and it's actually in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 through, 3, 1 through 3, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother, Sothenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who, who those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, when he was writing a letter to the, first, uh, the church of Corinth, there was an issue of unity in the church. They were divided, separated. Some people were showing off their spiritual gifts. Well, Paul writes to tell them, hey, hey, family, no, y'all are supposed to be together. Y'all are supposed to be sanctified together, growing together. Y'all are supposed to be building up together. And you remember your brother Sothenes? He's the prime example of how we should be living. He was willing to take a beating on your behalf. He was willing to bear witness of how much he trusts Christ. So now as I'm writing to you, I'm writing to you telling you, remember your brother. He's with me. He is bearing witness right now as you are living divided, as you are breaking unity. Here is one who is willing to split, who shed his blood for you to be unified following in the likeness of Christ. Family, when we come together, we don't just get to encourage and boast each other on and tell everybody everything is good, but we also get to see how it means to suffer together, what it means to struggle together. When things aren't going great, when depression is beating down on us, we see what it looks like to carry those things and bring them to Christ. And we get to encourage each other and help each other bring it to Christ. 
In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, it is better to be in the house of a funeral, of a funeral than to, in a party. The reason why is because how the person is reacting in the funeral, all of us one day will experience the funeral. You need to know how to bear that. You need somebody that you can witness firsthand how they live. You need somebody who can tell you God is really good, that Jesus is really worth it, that he is really trustworthy, and I can put all my faith in him. You need others around you. You can't do that in isolation. I don't care how many uh, Christian books you read, how many testimonies you hear online, but until you've walked flesh and blood with a person as they are crying and they are bringing all of their burdens to God and you're saying, I see how you're walking in faith. You don't know that person. You don't know how God has continuously delivered them and walked with them. You can't bear witness to someone you don't really know. We can know people from afar, and we can be encouraged by their testimony, but it's another thing when you walk through dark valleys with them. The only way we can walk through those dark valleys, the only way we can live out this mission of God's kingdom on earth is together. Sothenes is a brother we may never know much about until the day of glory, but he is one who is in the great midst of a great cloud of witnesses, as it's written in Hebrews. Therefore, says we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews, I was about to say Paul, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, you have witnesses that's telling you and continuously testifying how good Jesus is and how much he will build you up, be with you. He has always been with you since the beginning. We have a great cloud of witnesses. Sothenes is one of them. Those who prayed for you before you even got here is one of those witnesses. Those who died in the faith, the martyrs, are witnesses of God being faithful and him being the one who will one day judge rightfully this world. And when we're together, we join into each other's cloud of witnesses, encouraging each other, looking to each other, running with each other, saying, keep going, Christian soldier, keep going, because in the end, he is worth it. We need these witnesses, because these witnesses, in verse 2, help us keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith. The one who first bore witness, the first, the one who first shed blood, the one who first came and experienced the woes of this world, the one who is now given the means of salvation. We continue to help each other look at him and run after him, and that's why we need each other. Not just to help go on mission out there, but for us to be in mission, on mission in here, for us to encourage each other and look to him with joy. Because for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need each other to say, hey, remember, God came for you. We have a king who has come to rescue you. We have a king who has come to defeat your sin. We have the pioneer of our faith. We have to call each other. Look at him. Trust in him. I ask you. Are you encouraging each other to look towards him? Are you on a, bro a boulevard of broken dreams all by yourself? 
lonely, trying to figure it out on your own, doing your own thing, but feeling like this shadow is the only friend you have. I tell you, we need to be together, boasting each other on, encouraging each other on. This is actually why church membership is so important. This is why being a part of a local church is so important. And here's the beautiful thing about Columbia. City of Refuge is not the only church that bears witness. We want to be one of the many churches that bear witness. If you say, I don't want to be a part of this church, cool. There's some other churches we would love to show you how they also are building up a witness, a cloud of witnesses on your behalf. They are also willing to run beside you and point you to the pioneer of our faith. They are also here in our city. And I praise God that our young church plant gets to be connected to so many other family members in our city. I had to actually go preach this morning in Greenville. And as I was preaching in Greenville, uh, the pastor there, he's in Costa Rica, no, Dominican Republic, and he's encouraging a church there. And they said, because you've come and encouraged us, our pastor can go and encourage them. And that pastor can link with this pastor. We are a great family that's bearing witness and helping each other boast and continue on. And that's what we're trying to live here, being connected to one another not for the sake of having a social club, but for, have this, for the sake of encouraging each other to turn our eyes up to our king. The one who knew us since the beginning. The one who honestly wanted a relationship with us. The one who is actually inviting us to the more vital relationship than flesh and blood, but an eternal relationship with him. This is why we come together. If you're here today, and you don't have a church home, I invite you, please, let's run together. Let's connect together. Let's grow together. In the next few weeks, we will be having a fine refuge lunch. Yeah, it's a cheesy name, but we're working on it. It's a funny name. But we're looking to have, grow and build people up to, and say, let's connect together. Let us tell you about our church, tell you how we're growing together and pointing each other to Jesus. And if you're like, ah, I don't want to come to that, I'm, I'm still shopping around. Leah jokes about that. She's still shopping. But it's, she's here, but she still joke about it. But if you are really shopping, not her. She's not shopping. But if you really are shopping, <laughs> we would love to tell you, hey, there's some families out here that could really use your hands, that would love to be on mission with you, and that would love to invite you to connect with them. And we would love to show you and introduce you to some of these families. Because the main focus is not the growth of the church. The main focus is the growth of his kingdom and seeing more and more people come to worship him in spirit and truth. Helping us, helping us to see him as holy, wonderful. For the Christian, we invite you, let's join hands. Let's come together on mission. For those who may not believe this thing yet, they might not even know who Jesus is. Well, praise God you're here. See, Jesus is the wonderful king who created all people for a relationship with him. God, the perfect, holy God, created all things for his own glory, his own namesake, and that he created man in his image to have a relationship. Yet man messed up. We broke, severed that relationship. We said we want to be our own gods. We don't want anything to do with you. And we, even in our own efforts, can't fix that breakage. Yet... 
God was so loving, so kind. He sent his own son. God from God came to earth. He came to make a way for us to be right before him. And that is through living a perfect life dying the death that we rightfully deserve because of our sins, our injustice before him. And when he was on the cross dying, he was taking our sins on him, on himself. Our sins acquitted to him, put on him, and then buried in the grave. But we can praise him because our sins being buried in the grave mean we could be made right with God and we can have confidence. The only reason we know this happened it's because the one who went in the grave with our sins didn't stay in the grave. Jesus came back, resurrected with all power in his hands. Our sins stayed deaf. And he says, all those who trust that I have taken your sins on myself can now come. I am the door that will bring you towards the Father. You can come and experience my glorious kingdom. Leave your shame, your shame, your sins, and your pains at my feet, and I will make you known before my Father, and you will be known amongst my people. See, his salvation wasn't just so we would be made right with God, but it's because it's so we could be a part of a new, greater family. And we can live together on mission, inviting all to be a part of this family. Would you like to be a part of this family today? If so, we would love to invite you in and tell you more about our glorious King. Will you pray with me? Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are so thankful that your kingdom is coming to be bear, bear witness on this earth that one day we will stand before you, that you who started a good work will end it one day with us before your throne, experiencing your glory. Father, I pray today that you are drawing us to be closer together. You are drawing us to be more like your people, to know each other more intimately as we get to know you more intimately, Father. Lord, in our loneliness in these seasons of life, while we are weeping, while we are going, Father, we pray that you bear a harvest in our lives, that we will become more of a people that look like your kingdom here on earth, and that we will link arms with other churches and other Christians in our city and tell them of the good news of who you are. Lord, I pray that your word was preached clearly that you were seen and put on display and that we can trust you more as we prepare to leave this place. Lord, we lift all these things up to you. It's in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and continue to worship with us?